0: SEO This Week, episode number 22. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Butler, and I am from Olympia, SEO. We are not proud. <laughs> we are proud to present to you our weekly roll-up. So without further ado, we got a lot of sites to get to this week, so let's get started. First, we're going to start off with Rand Fishkin over at Moz.com. This isn't a Whiteboard Friday. This is actually a blog post, and it's called It's Time to Stop Doing On-Page SEO Like It's 2012. I think really the article should be titled something differently because for the gist of it, it is saying don't follow the tools like Yoast or Modizone on-page grader uh, blindly when optimizing your keywords, in particular when you're looking at keyword density type stuff. Now, you can kind of go into one or two lines. Keyword density doesn't matter, or Google doesn't look at it, or keyword density does matter, and Google does look at it. But if you do your own research on your terms, you'll find that there's averages that are going on, like number one, two, three, maybe have 8 to 10% keyword density. Uh, So if the top 10 all have around the same keyword density, then clearly something is going on with that. Uh, and it does matter. However, a lot of these tools are set either to over-optimize or make you, force you, or give you the idea that you should uh, repeat keywords for no reason whatsoever other than to have the keyword in your content. And that's not really good for the user perspective. There's nothing worse than reading an article that has the same word over and over and over and over again. Now, obviously, if you're picking on some kind of unique term, you got to have it in there. Uh, It's just a matter of placement uh, and the right time and where you're going to go balance for the user versus for the search engines at the same time. Another thing is uh, searcher intent. This is really basically what we talk about when you say a a traffic keyword versus a a buyer keyword. Traffic keywords, we use those to obviously generate traffic. They're mostly informational because more people are searching for information than people who are looking to buy so we leverage those traffic keywords in order to boost authority of the website and um, boost the amount of traffic and exposure we have in our markets and then use buyer keywords to target uh well buyers and so really the searcher intent is you you got to know that and find some tools to help you figure it out. And there's a bunch of them out there. But if you're looking for traffic keywords, you can use Uber Suggest or AdWords keyword tool or uh, even uh, Answers, answerthepublic.com. Those are good for finding some traffic terms. Uh, next we we'll look at the uh, related topics and the keywords. So in our world, it's latent semantic indexing, just related terms. Uh, that go along with what our keyword is and make sure you're adding those to your content and it helps you boost some rankings from uh, other longer tail term keywords as well. So you can kind of you know multitask essentially uh, what your article is and you get more traffic that way. <clears throat> and then uh, let's see next is on page, stop assuming links always beat on page. Uh, On a page is your foundation and links are the roads that lead to it. So I suggest that you take both uh, seriously and then size pages matter, but so do the sites hosting them. This is really about branding like, and suggesting that you should have a large site or if you want to expand in multiple directions or reach a bigger market, you should have a larger site. Uh, and then but the really the point of, that you have to understand is you are not going to beat Wikipedia dribbles apples or Zulu uh, in any of their markets uh, very easily Especially if you're trying to do it broadly, but you can beat those sites if you're doing it narrow targeted uh, searching so Build your brand, build it in your area, especially if you're a local business, focusing on your area, your area expertise, and you'll do just fine. The next post is a from YouTube Marketing Predictions for 2017 by Social Media Examiner. and This is a roll-up of other people who are inside of the YouTube space. And their thoughts on what is going on. A lot of this article is actually pretty interesting, but I really wanted to point out these community feature that YouTube has released for their uh, influencers or their bigger channel creators. It's actually pretty cool because, you know, know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter have implemented live video and video features, and you get the community you can have engagement and go on inside of their their platforms and youtube had youtube comments well they've added some other stuff to make it a little bit more a little better and allow you to engage in conversations and share stuff uh, on site on the uh, on your channels this isn't posted to everybody but some people already are using it some content creators so really if you Get a big enough audience you should probably check out and see if this is turned on for you or not Uh, I think this is It's a good move for YouTube and allowing you to engage a lot better Not only with people who are watching your videos, but you can go on to people who have these and check it out yourself uh, and engage with them and build not only with your reputation within that that space, that that creator is is leveraged, Um, but you can get some more content ideas and just meet some new people. There's other stuff in this post that are interesting, uh, but for the most part, I think that was probably the highlight for me. So check this one out. Again, it's on Social Media Examiner. And we are going over back to Moz, and this is a guide to JSON-LD for beginners. One thing I want to point out is something that happens within our community a lot is I use JSON-LD. So what schema did you put on there? I use JSON-LD. Well, or they try to describe schema and JSON-LD as two different things. and really kind of get mixed up in the vocabulary little thing. Schema is the tool. Well, schema is the method and JSON-LD is the tool and so much as schema is the method and microdata is a tool so the difference between microdata and json ld is json ld does not display and microdata does we use json ld almost uh, exclusively because it does not alter the design of our clients websites because again we're not uh, we're not displaying anything on the site so we're not changing the design hurting conversions or any of that but we are telling Google specifically what the website is, who created it, and some other you know basic information that is helpful for Google in order to decide whether or not it wants to rank a, a particular website in one place versus another. It's, it's just like setting up your own Wikipedia page if you want to put it in a different perspective about your business, but doing it inside in the code. Very cool, uh, and not very many. Honestly, like twenty-five percent of the web is only leveraging this stuff. So check it out. Uh, learn the ins and outs of what the individual tags are. Uh, but if you have your own SEO guy, don't mess with it. Really, it's just good to know when someone says, "Hey, I did some JSON LD on your site where I added schema," you kind of know that this is what they're talking about. But if you are an SEO guy and you're just getting started, and this is a good, this is a good uh, dictionary essentially uh, about what each of these little tags are uh, and what segments, what they do and how to leverage those. You can find all this information on the schema.org site, but it's really, um, that's a big site and it's, it's kind of heady. You know, it takes a lot of research and this is broken down uh, pretty quickly for you to figure out. So again, check this out either, you know, if you're an agency or you're just a client and you want to know a little bit about it and kind of define what is going on inside of your uh, website and what they're doing for you. Next we're going to look at search engine land and there's local SEO in 2017, five simple ways to dominate local search. This talks about title tags, meta descriptions, online directory citations, Google My Business, and online reviews, and local st- structured data, the schema we just talked about in, with the JSON-LD, and some things that most businesses need to leverage in order to be competitive. This is really all standard practice now. So if if everyone who's got an SEO or is doing SEO themselves is doing all this, you're going to need to to set yourself apart some way. And typically the way they do that is through their Google My Business and their online directories or their citations. Either they get more citations or they boost the power of those citations and they make sure that their Google My Business page is optimized. A lot of businesses really are doing that very well. Uh, And the reason is one, either they don't know about the Google My Business and how it works, or two, they are uh, just really don't care, which is a mistake if you are looking to move, if you want your business to grow in the future off of internet traffic, or three, they're just kind of hounded by people, especially as telemarketer calls saying, hey, we can do your Google My Business for $99. Well, this thing is free, it's easy to optimize, it doesn't take you any time at all, and you can probably you know do it over a short period of time and grow uh, as it happens. So um, check this out, get some understanding of the Google My Business and the, and the the citations. If you need help with those, you can reach out to us and we'll walk you through some stuff. The Google My Business will walk you through that for free and the citations, we have some solutions for that. And then the final part is that online reviews matter. Now, and then when you're talking about structured data, the online reviews have to be on your site. So you can't use your Google reviews for the structured data uh, because it's in violation of Google Terms of Service. And people were abusing that, and now they're enforcing it. So basically what it means is all those YouTube or Yelp and Google Plus reviews that you work so diligently to, to get... Uh, you can't use those for the stars on your site anymore so so you want to transfer them over to your website and display those as coming from those sources uh, or you can just you know transcribe them and put it in the source as well and make sure that are on your website in order to leverage those uh, review stars and it's this is all online reputation. So if your business came from your up listing, ask for uh, a review on Yelp. If your business came from a map, ask for the Google Ma- Google reviews uh, um, review. They're all going to help you in the end. All roads lead to you. Yeah. And next one is a to- SEO checklist. 21 common mistakes to avoid. This one is in the roll up, not because it's an excellent article. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not because it's an excellent article. It's a good template, and what I mean by that is, if anyone has a on-page checklist, if you turn the reverse around, and this is for example, optimizing a keyword, optimizing content around one keyword, first one page should be about one keyword. That's this is, um, in short, it's stupid to say hey i need to optimize let's say let's go i have a web page about web design i want to talk about web design it's going to be optimized for web design and then i'm going to in order to optimize that i'm going to put latent semantic indexing and take that into account and add related terms to it and then hope uh, and, and in the process of optimizing for that one keyword it is going to rank for other keywords so this uh, goal of let's make one page about 10 keywords it's well, well, it sounds great and the concept behind it is good uh, Google is just doesn't work that way. It never has uh, And until it gets really really smart and AI completely fills in and that's just not how it's gonna work. So um, I think I disagree with that neglected dating dated content This is uh, you know always pushing fresh content out and you do that with your on-page stuff you update the content uh, and, and and move that into the uh, right direction again, but don't do it just for the sake of doing it. If it doesn't apply anymore, um, leave it on there. Leave it and leave it dated. It's not hurting you. It's you know maybe it's information that someone wants at some point. And is it giving you a lot of traffic or not? Probably not. But still, just you know, it's unless it's a money page, then just keep going for it. And They recommend here do evergreen topics. We recommend that too. Then basically, that's something that kind of just kind of goes on forever and ever. But things change, uh, and sometimes you know. You don't want to update because updating is not going to be serve that topic justice and you have to write new content about it to you So um, think of that forgetting about mobile users, please. I think that's one's. Everyone's already been on that now. Everyone knows the need to adjust for mobile phones. So stop I'm not optimizing for site speed uh, We do that as a service for clients and uh, as a white label product for other agencies Make sure you're optimizing for site speed failing to include relevant and helpful internal links. Internal linking is part of your on-page checklist. Uh, external linking is part of your on-page checklist. Uh, hard breaking up your content and using H1, H2, H3 tags as part of your checklist. Images as part of your on-page checklist. Having unique content is <laughs> part of your on-page checklist. Quality over quantity, that's on-page checklist. The rest of this stuff is all on your on-page checklist. Especially what they did is they took the on-page checklist and said, Hey, you not doing this is a mistake. Well done. I want you to use this page, however, as a template for other content you can create. Because you're there actually it's actually really smart. So if you have a site, let's say you have an SEO checklist for on-page marketers or for content marketers. You have 21 common mistakes to avoid. Now you can flip it around and put 21 common things to 21 basic uh, steps to complete. And now you have two pieces of content talking about really the same thing. You're just hitting them from a different perspective. It's a lot easier to write like that. Uh, So I think you should leverage that. Again, you can do one. Let's say they did the one here on this site, and then they can do another uh, guest post on someone else's site with the inverse topic or we'll even break it up into two You know two, uh ten common mistakes to avoid and ten common things to do for a uh, page. So uh, Use this as a template. It's a good idea uh, for marketing. That's why we highlighted it uh, Next practical e-commerce 15 online courses for entrepreneurs. If you're not learning, you're dying. And especially in the digital marketing, trends change, technologies change, websites change, ways we reach our customers is changing. Uh, and it changes every day. There are new and exciting ways to do it. So if you're not learning about that stuff, then you're dying. And the reason this is here is to give you some courses to get you into the habit of learning something. If you're not doing anything, let's say you're you're an average course buyer like we are, um, then that's fine. Just keep buying the courses, learn once a month, learn something new, implement that action and take action and get something out of it and add that to your mix. Uh, but you should be doing that all the time. And if you don't have anything, then here's some free resources to, to look at and, and check out just to get the brain juices flowing, and it helps you think, write, and perform better as a marketer. This is Kissmetrics blog, and as I said in the SEO This Week post, if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out in the blog. Uh, The uh, single advertising factor that's more important than demographics is customer intent. we go back into the informational keywords versus buyer keywords. You got to know customer intent and how you're gonna target things if you are doing a lot of informational stuff You're gonna get a lot of traffic, but your conversion rate is gonna be a lot lower if you're doing Exclusively buyer stuff. You're not gonna get a lot of traffic, but your conversion rate is gonna be a lot higher uh, So you have to balance that out and figure out what you want to do and what's important to you a lot of business owners Focus on the traffic and then they look at the conversion number. and they're like, Oh, well, it's 3% that's pretty good We're doing good well, what if you didn't work focus on traffic and you focused solely on buyer intent and you nailed tons of keywords that maybe only got you a hundred visitors and you converted 30% of those into uh, sales? Your numbers are a lot better in the end. You're making a lot more money that way. Uh, so this is really, this blog post is designed to get you thinking like that versus thinking about the demographics and knowing who your customers are. That's that's all important. Don't get me wrong, it is important. But it's more important to know when they're in the buying stage versus the research and informational seeking stage, especially when you're looking, when your business uh, lives and dies by online sales, uh, as in a e-commerce type thing. So check out this post. It's really interesting. It gives you some good food of thought. It gives you a way to leverage uh, not only customer intent and the information seekers, but in transitioning them to the buyers as well. Uh, including an example of how YouTube did it or uh, Home Depot did it with their YouTube channel generating 48 million views which I'm sure generated them pretty decent uh, Adwords or AdSense income off of that as well to pay for uh, the videos themselves <clears throat> uh, Search engine land is six ways to grow your podcast audience If you don't know we turn the SEO this week It's a blog post we turn it into the video obviously you're watching that Uh, And then we turn it into a podcast where we rip the audio out of our video and and use that on podcasting platforms. This is a good way to leverage one piece of content that you generate. Anyone can do it Um, and then turn it into multiple ways for people to to find it and to read it and to enjoy it, to view it or listen to it or to consume it. That's the word I was looking for. And this post tells you how to optimize your podcast files uh, in order to get the uh, generate the help you boost your SEO and your overall marketing plan. first, it talks about all in the title, optimizing your RSS feed, leveraging the website, and then finally uh, recycling content, which is what we do essentially. And then using that uh, on YouTube as well, which is kind of falls in line with that recycling content. It's a good, it's a good post. Here's let me go ahead and give out my own personal warning about podcasts. They are a lot of work. Uh, Because you you have to make them and you have to be consistent about them and even we have problems with that. So uh, if we had The advice that I had now maybe I would not have turned our podcast into a weekly thing I would have said hey, we're gonna do this once a month or every other week just so that it's a little bit easier you get into the habit of doing it and then you can turn it into a weekly thing if you are if you like it and you have more fun with it doing it the other way around it doesn't leave you a lot of a lot of uh, leeway uh, when you're trying to change from uh, one cycle over another you lose a lot of listeners uh, more than you would gain so i think it's this is a good post um, and learning how SEO plays into the podcast uh, but also keep in mind that little bit of insight I gave you. Uh, next we go to search engine journal and then this is the single best anchor text for SEO that no one is talking about and the, that <laughs> anchor text is actually the blog title or the page title that you ha- have assigned to your page And he's saying that the terms that he used or that in his research, that was the one that was actually the most used when compared with the rest of this that is shown here. I think it's interesting. I I, I would look at it. I'd like to see if it is, are they, again, is it uh, informational searches or buyer searches where he's seen this? Because I've seen where we're looking at, like, web design for example page and title is not even anywhere near there usually it's the brand plus the keyword for that particular uh, search term seo is pretty much the same way brand plus the keyword and then the full url and the home urls so um, my word of caution would be instead of assuming that that is the right way all the time again to get into your competition research and check that out a little bit more now we do set up networks for all of our clients and there are roughly 150 sites in that network and whenever they post new content we syndicate it out to that and we use page title or the blog post title in order to do that as anchor text but those are all on branded sites like they're branded to the business There's not personas we're not creating uh web 2 networks these are the businesses' brand representation on the social media and web two sites so um I can see where a lot of uh, information posts or a route of anchor text now, because it's becoming more and more common within the SEO spaces, these branded syndication networks, um, where page title or blog post title would be seen as a higher uh, usage within the space. So uh, in the end, you really got to just look at your competition and figure out what they're doing and then you kind of reverse engineer that and apply it to you okay the next site is the search engine roundtable and it's a google algorithm that was updated on february 7th this is uh, we have to be a lot of careful when we announce these because the these sites like search engine roundtable in particular just search the forums, and they say oh look there's some bunch of people saying yeah, they saw this huge move and then they look at these graph charts and then kind of, okay, well, yeah, it looks like maybe, yep, maybe there was a change because there's all these fluctuations. Uh, so, but what I like to use these posts for is I come down here and check for the comments and look at see how all these people are freaking out. Uh, and what, what is the point of of climbing or crying about a change. The fact of the matter is Google wants to update their algorithm to produce a better product in order to generate more revenue. And it's gonna happen. And as long as you're not doing anything crazy, it's going to work just fine for you. Uh, And Every time they change something, it's not gonna have to destroy anything. So I like to look through these. You notice a lot of these people are commenting. Uh, in Cognito essentially, but you look through these and you find out people you don't want to deal with uh, And see who's gonna freak out and then you kind of know that You're either on the right path or the wrong path uh, In our case, we did see a drop on February 7th We lost a little bit of ranking for our primary term on our homepage, but we stopped promoting our homepage page uh, using SEO and so much uh, and we promote all of our internal pages now because that's where our higher level of conversions are and all of those pages We saw increases all our clients saw increases or they all stayed the same. So um, Again do the right thing follow the basic foundational stuff of SEO and what Google tells you and what common sense tells you to do Combine those two together and you'll be just fine regardless of how many updates they publish this Whiteboard Friday, I won't go too deep into this, basically is saying uh, leverage, you know, best web designer 2017 type posts, uh, how to do it and when to publish it. Uh, it's pretty good and just gives you some insights, five tips on, on how to do it, uh, and then some things to be smart about. One thing is cool is publish as early in the period as possible, but not earlier. So you don't know, wanna be like November and then 2016, publish and post about the best SEOs in 2017. It's not twenty seventeen yet. It's how how do you know who the best SEOs in twenty seventeen are? If it's not twenty seventeen yet, and then Google is smart enough to kind of pick up on that too. So uh, February March time frame is what they're saying is the the key. So beginning of January, middle of January, you want to publish your best of, get it ranked, and generate all keep all that traffic going until uh, well into the year. It's not going to be a lot of traffic later on, obviously, but as you grow, uh, you just keep changing the dates and updating that post. We're making new ones for the next year. So, I think it's something you should uh, try and leverage uh, regardless of the, your, your market. There, you can find a best of or a reason to create a best of post for a year. And it's just a good way to get some general information traffic. And the last two uh, articles come from Bright Edge, SEO's blog. This one is how to how Google's changes impact your local search strategy and the two changes They point out is how they're going to show more ads and maps We've already seen these in our in our network at least the the top one We don't see the store stuff in our in our market, but the I've seen the the ads in the map pack in basically The gist of this is one, here's the changes that Google are making, so now they're saying you need to add uh, PPC to your SEO campaigns. That's something we've been saying all along. If you follow us any period of time, you know that we promote doing pay-per-click as a part of an integral part of your SEO campaign use pay-per-click to identify the amount of search volume, you use pay-per-click to identify the converting keywords, and then you use SEO to uh, to rank for those organically and move on with your pay-per-click campaigns and the other terms. And you keep doing that over and over again and you're gonna generate a lot of traffic and a lot of sales by, converting, by and, and save a lot of money by not targeting words that n- don't necessarily have the search volume that you need. And the last post is understanding the micro moments. And micro moments as published by Google are, I want to go, I want to know, I want to do, and I want to buy. And this gives a five step example of what you can do and how to leverage that. I think everybody should do this because these micro moments are picked out exclusively for the purpose of their converting uh, visitors into mostly sales. For local business, I want to go, is really good uh, and i want to know or i want to do i want to go and i want to do a really good for local businesses i want to buy are really good for e-com and i want to know is good for everybody in informational searches so um, leverage those four types leverage this checklist kind of make your own thing and go back into that keyword uh, the keyword uh, best of and then the other one about uh, uh anchor text and and then the other one are local SEO tips to figure out how to uh, find the keywords that fit into those four micro micro moments and uh, and since google is awarding websites that are uh, taking or looking at micro moments a lot closer then leverage that right now as a good way to increase your traffic Finally we have one new addition to SEO this week and that is a let's kinda of ask a question to the the market. And this one is do blank four or four pages hurt your rankings? And it it's brought up by a video that Josh Brzezinski did on his YouTube channel where he said a blank four or four pages actually are a negative or considered a negative by Google. And so I asked him if the how how he figures that Google is is penalizing you for having blank 404 pages And now 404 pages if you if you don't know it just means that the page is not there the URL is wrong So the you, server gives a 404 uh, and he's saying that if you have the standard um, This is a 404 page information on there that Google penalizes you um, based off of task completion and user clicks however John Mueller or Google says if they get a 404, the robot doesn't even scan the page. All right, it's a 404 page. It's not there. Got it. And then they move on. Uh, so how do you transition? How do you? Where do you get the empirical data that says a blank 404 page is somehow hurting you when Google's uh, spokesman is saying they're not even crawling the thing? From a user standpoint, I get it. You, you should probably have something on there, um, either like make your 404 pages your theme that has your menu so they can click around on there or maybe uh, suggested searches or maybe even an opt-in form on your 404 page. You kind of leverage the traffic that's going there. But beyond that, I don't see how a 404 page is hurting you. So this brings, brings the question, we're going to bring it to the community. Do you think a bare 404 page will hurt you in Google's eyes? So if that's the, i like to hear your opinions. You can leave it on the YouTube channel or in Facebook if you're watching there or wherever. But primarily come to the blog, leave a comment and tell us your opinion. Do you think a bare 404 page hurts you in Google's eyes? All right, that is it. That has been SEO this week. Episode number 22 is presented by Olympia SEO. My name is Clint Butler. Again, if you have any sites that you think we should add to our roll go ahead and let me know. Leave it in the comments. We'll see you again next week.